This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Episode 208, Budgeting Basics. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are heading back to square one, back to basics of budgeting. You guys have asked for this episode for a while, and so we're going to cover it. We like talk. I like talking about, but I'll speak for myself. Yeah. (laughs) I do like talking about budgeting. I think it's so important. I don't think that there's one way to budget. I think there's a lot of ways Mm -hmm. that we can go about this. But I do think we need to be aware of the money coming in and the money going out Mm -hmm. if we're going to get good with money and live this frugal lifestyle. Yeah. And frugality allows you to have that flexibility with budgeting. Yeah. Because the more intentional you are about your purchases, the less you have to worry about sticking to the budget, breaking, busting, whatever you call it, budget. And There are different budgets for different seasons of your life as well. And so there's not one budget that works best for one person all the time or any person in general. We do have our favorites for certain seasons, but once you get really good at mindful spending, conscious consumerism, all of that simple living, it takes the need for budgeting away so much, which is is why we don't harp on it, because we feel like frugal living is a alternative to a strictly budgeted life. But it bears repeating that when you are trying, when you are starting, this is a necessity no matter who you are. You can't get around it. Yes. (laughs) I don't even care if you a multimillionaire. You got to know the money coming in and the money going out. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to go through some basic methods, try them on for size. We're going to talk about some basics of how to, and that'll be that. But first, our our sponsors. sponsors. Oil and vinegar, two things that seem to not go together, have paired up to sponsor this episode, like sweet and salty, chili and macaroni, fear and joy, They're all here to announce the Frugal Friends four-year anniversary party. Pew, pew, pew. It's going to be the best fancy frugal fiesta with all the money-saving party hacks paired with all the luxury one can expect from us. Think hot dogs and charcuterie. 
If you're a Frugal Friends listener, you can celebrate our accomplishment with us on April 23rd in St. Petersburg, Florida at our four-year anniversary party. If you'd like to join us, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash party for more info. Yes, we would love to see you at the fiesta. It's going to be so fun. It's not actually going to be hot dogs and charcuterie, but I liked the sound of the pairing of those Jill two. really likes hot dogs, FYI. And charcuterie. And charcuterie. Well, we all love charcuterie. <laughs> yes. I like hot dogs, too. I'm not going to lie. I do love a good hot dog. <laughs> oh, they're so tasty. I could practically always go for a hot dog. And they're always in the budget because they are so affordable. Amen. Uh, so if you love budgeting or maybe you don't love budgeting, here are some episodes to queue up for after this episode. So the first would be episode 177. That's where we talk about a values-based budgeting system. So it's more of we go through the values-based spending philosophy philosophy that we follow and how to tie that into a values-based budget. So that's kind of like a higher level, sort of like 102. And then episode 141, minimalist budgeting, that's where I fall more into. I am definitely less budget conscious than Jill is. Jill loves to make the budget and I just love to. But I still would I would qualify myself as like the nerd of the family. Like I am definitely more administrative and organized, but I just don't I like to be just a little more free. I just like in my life. chilling the spreadsheets. Yeah. And so that's not as me. Crunching the numbers. Yeah. So that just goes to show that you literally can be anybody you want to be and still have a budgeting practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so today is very much 101 basics. So if you feel like you've got a good budget, you can skip this one. But if you're like 99% of people and feel like you don't, it's for you. But if you also just want to hear me talk more about hot dogs, stick around. Awesome. So let's get into our first article on the four basic budgeting methods. And this is from nwcu.com, credit union. If you don't have a credit union, check out your local one. Yes. Jill, what did you think of this one? It's excellent. I think it gives a really great summary of some classic budgeting styles. So feel free to... Think about what might fit best for your lifestyle, what you know of yourself, your earnings and the way that you spend to figure out which budgeting style is going to be best for you at this time. And like you said, Jen, it might shift. We might come into a different season of life and we choose a different budgeting style. So the first one, and we'll just go through all four, is the basic budgeting method. They just call basic it the class. <laughs> yes. For us I'm basic, basic budgeters. <laughs> yes. It's the classic budget where you just list out your expenses line by line, but within columns. So they talk about having two columns, one being an estimated spending column and the second column being the actual spending column. I believe then that you'd have rows that go across and coincide. Yes. You can picture a spreadsheet and you have the different categories of items. Mm -hmm. So I think with this budget, I mean, certainly you could get really nitty gritty and just list out every single thing that you might spend on, or you could categorize like groceries, entertainment, utility and electric, miscellaneous, and then 
you write out what do you think you're going to spend in each of those. Of course, if you know what your fixed bills are, then that should be pretty self-explanatory. And then think about what's a reasonable amount to spend if you're doing it in a month, monthly basis that you're going to spend that month. Then it does require going back through and comparing what you actually spent to what the estimated spending was going to be. Of course, hopefully keeping a pulse on it, not just making this, forgetting about it, spending, and then going back and saying, oops. But it can help us to identify where was I realistic with this budget? What was true? Where did I spend less? Where did I spend more? What kind of adjustments do I need to make next month? And the idea with budgeting, at least in the beginning, is that you are doing it on a month-to-month basis because expenses shift month-to-month. Some months you have your car insurance that's due if you pay it biannually, and other months you have a, a ton of birthday parties to go to. Who knows? But it's worth looking at it each month and adjusting where the numbers are going to go. But that's the basics of a classic budget. The two columns, what do I think I'm going to spend? What did I actually spend? And then keeping a pulse on that. Yeah. And most budgeting apps are going to follow this style. It's going to be totally free form. You put in whatever you think, and then you add whatever you have spent. So your YNABs, your every dollars, your mint, this is this is what they follow. And this is what you can use if you want to use a, a zero-based budget. Then this is kind of the one we use. We also use the second method in a zero-based budget. You can use either, and that is the cash-only budget. So this one also can, you know, cash envelope system, they can be synonymous, but This method allows you to literally only spend the cash that you have. Uh, And so I've never been a huge fan of cash envelopes, but there are people who, because of their spending habits, like swore by it and really, really needed it to kind of hone in and dial down some of those impulse categories. It really can help you get a handle on your spending and connect you more with the action of spending when you're pulling out real cash, receiving, change back. I did this method when I first started out with budgeting and trying to get a handle on my finances. And I do think it helped. But about nine to 12 months in, I recognized, all right, I got it. Mm -hmm. And I made my switch. Yeah to a, a different method. So it's it's worth considering, especially if, like you said, Jen, you are the person who's just starting out or really needs to get a handle on where your money goes. This could be worth considering. Yeah. I think it would be fun to do, well, not fun, but like good, uh, to do like a 30-day cash-only challenge. So if you're trying to figure out, is this for me, or you're trying to hone in on something, try it for a month and see what happens. It will not be convenient You will probably not love it, but it will probably be good for your spending. It'll probably be good for your budget. But So we, our favorite type of budget is the zero-based budget. We think it helps you reach your financial goals faster than any other of the other types of budgets we're going to talk about. So the the cash-only and the classic budgeting methods are the ones that meld best into there. And I would say, I've always said a cash envelope is more of a... uh, a method to stick to your budget than it is an actual budgeting method. Mm, But since it's included here, we'll just, we'll parse it out from the classic budget and say that, 
but you can use the classic budget and still just pay for things in cash. It's true. So I don't love it when people separate them, but here we are. So uh, yeah, (laughs) zero-based budget using the classic or cash-only methods. The third budgeting method is the percentage budget. Some also call it the proportional budgeting method. This sounds maybe a little bit like where you're at, Jen, <laughs> or maybe this is even more strict have than where strong, you're at. I have strong opinions on okay. this, so go okay. through and then I will Well, here's will what go. it is. It is parsing out your budget into different percentages. So setting aside a percentage for spending versus saving, you can set aside a certain percentage for needs, a certain percentage for wants, a certain percentage for savings. So some people might put, let's say, 80% of their income towards expenses. That might encompass both wants and needs and then save 20%. And so if you are doing the proportional budgeting method, you don't have to be too much into the weeds on where all of that 80% goes if you're sticking within that 80% and putting the 20% to savings. Another type is the 50-30-20, where you budget 50% of your income towards needs, 30% towards want, 20% towards savings. Obviously, you decide the percentages. I think these are examples of how someone might go about this, but that's the overview of the percentage budget. All right, give us your hot take, Jen. I hate the percentage budget. <laughs> Whoa, brace yourselves. <laughs> so, I, it's, okay, it's actually not that I hate the concept of using percentages, but I really just do truly hate how much the 50, 30, 20 budget is promoted because who are you to tell me the percentage of my income that should go to? what I want to spend on. You don't know my income. Income is very important when you're deciding percentages because sometimes you're in a low income and a high cost of living area. You're going to spend more than 50% of your income. Then sometimes you're trying to maybe catch up with retirement and you want to save more than 20% or you're trying to pay off debt. Then you're not going to want to put 30% towards wants. So it's just, it is so subjective that 50, 30, 20 is very arbitrary. So that's why we love the zero-based budget more because you can decide your core values and decide the expenses that you want to make based on those core values and, and budget there. And once you have done that and you have gotten comfortable with that, then you can calculate your own percentages. And yeah, this can be a more freeing budget. Like 80-20, that's I, that's not a bad, like saving 20% is definitely 20% is, is where I like to stick to. It's where I recommend people go when they're starting out. So it's, it's, you have to be aware of your, your values, your spending. You have to be kind of trained in intentional spending before you can create a percentage budget. So it's not bad, but I just think the 50, 30, 20 like, budget model is so arbitrary. It's so outdated, and I don't, I don't recommend it for anyone. And maybe you do end up being 50, 30, 20 because your income is right at that sweet spot and your cost of living is at that sweet spot. That's awesome. But it's so – our income and expenses are so diverse and varied – 
Like I just don't, I, I don't find it practical anymore. Yeah. I appreciate those caveats, especially saying this probably is not the budgeting method to start with. No, absolutely Get not. Get a really good handle on it. I think as I'm even reading this article, seeing the 80%, 20%, and you don't even need to track your expenses, that does go a little bit against the grain of some of our ethos related to frugal living and intentional spending that it's not just about, oh, who cares? We do want to be spending around our values and not be so disconnected with the decisions that we're making even if we're making those decisions within an 80% amount of spending allotment. And then, you know, we pick our percentages if this is what we move towards once we have a good handle on our incomes, expenses, and spending. Yeah. I would say I fall into this fourth and final budgeting method is the pay yourself first budget. So we've gotten really good with our um, our monthly bills are you know as low as we can get them. We have our recurring expenses, and so really our only discretionary expenses are food. You know we're very consistent everywhere else, and so we have our our investments set up to be auto debited, and and we are essentially kind of just float through that. I I don't want to say you always want to be improving and becoming more intentional and connected with your spending but you can get to a point i mean we've been hosting this podcast for over 4 years so we've been talking about intentional spending for so long and we were doing it before we even started we don't have a problem just paying ourselves first and moving forward with the freedom to spend how we want because we do spend with intention. And we are uh, like Travis and I are aligned in our, you know, each other's core values. And so we give each other this freedom to spend on that. And so it is the frugality allows us to do the pay yourself first budget. I, I Sorry, I probably forgot to like say what it is. It's essentially just putting your money towards saving and goals first as soon as you get paid and then you can spend whatever else you want. And this, again, is an advanced budgeting method because I used to do this before I was paying off my debt, and it never worked as well (laughs) as I wanted it to. Well, I think the difference is the pay yourself first, meaning pay your future self first. You had the pay my present self (laughs) first. No, I I would pay my future self. Like, I would save money. And then I would run out of money. I would always overestimate the amount I thought I was capable of saving because and I would make the budget and the budget would say I'm capable of saving this amount. And so I would save it. And then by the end, I was out of money and I'm like, I wasn't trained in like a paying attention to my spending. And so that was where the disconnect was. And so I needed to get on that really really like what is what's the word like detailed really detailed uh zero based budget where i had a lot of categories basically every transaction was a category so i could see it you know <laughs> like i had to get really really detailed at first so i could find those patterns so that i can work on those things and as i worked on them then i was able to go back to this pay yourself first budget and actually we do have money left over 
after, you know, every month um, that we've been able to save like additionally. So that's excellent. And I can vouch because I'm an actual friend of yours and vice versa (laughs) that I see you living very simply and intentionally and finding ways to not spend money where it's not necessary and having found yourself in a content place Mm -hmm. where you're just you're not constantly buying or redecorating or filling your home with stuff oh yeah definitely not I and also I think part of it comes with age too I as I get older uh don't care as much about things (laughs) that I used to care about yes and I feel confident in not caring so those are, those are things you will learn as you budget as well and just from life. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now that I have kids, I'm hyper aware of the information I put online. But unfortunately, there's only so much I can do. Our personal information is everywhere on the internet, and I don't have time to monitor and take it off every website. That's why I personally use Delete Me. Delete.me is a service that finds and removes any personal information from hundreds of data broker websites and makes sure it stays off. Delete.me isn't just a one-time service. It's always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you don't want on the internet. I signed up, completed a questionnaire, and they took it from there, submitting opt-out requests to data broker sites and keeping my personal info private. To take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now, add a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com frugal and use promo code FRUGAL at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash FRUGAL and enter code FRUGAL at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash FRUGAL, code FRUGAL. So let's talk about how to make a personal budget. Any, And this will work with any of these. A little, I mean, even with the last one, which is literally just a kind of an 80-20, but we... I don't even know what our percentages are at this point because our income varies yeah. <laughs> every month. So even with a pay yourself verse budget or an 80-20, you can still use um, this step-by-step guide from the balance to make your personal budget. And we'll go through all six. I do want to say I like the introduction in this article where they highlight that a budget does not have to be restrictive to be effective. And I know that this is often the hesitation and the barrier for people when we have this conversation, 
Uh, Jen, you and I just talked with a, a younger woman recently who's getting a handle on finances, has more expenses, so wants to know more about what should I be doing to be tracking because not knowing is making me anxious, mm-hmm. but yet not feeling like she had the time to really get into whatever she constructed in her mind as what it means to have a budget. And I think that can be so much of our perspective on budgeting is it's going to be restrictive or it's going to be a lot of time. I'm going to have to put in a lot of work. And I just want to push back against that idea to say it's not our budgets that are restrictive. It's our income that is restrictive. Mm -hmm. And so if we're concerned about budgeting because we think that it's going to be restrictive, then I would challenge us to say, well, is it possible then that I'm spending outside my means? Is that really why I'm afraid to get into the nitty gritty of my finances? And usually we rip off that Band-Aid and it is far less scary than we think it's going to be. Absolutely, It's usually the unnamed, unknown, mysterious thing that causes worry and anxiety. When we're actually able to look at it, name it, that is what reduces that anxiety. It takes the legs out from under it. So I think a budget can do that. And again, it doesn't have to look one way. It can be a lot of different things. We can choose different methods, but it is about knowing and about having a handle on how we are spending and saving and making our money. Yeah, the suspense is always scarier than the actual picture. I think about horror movies, and it's always the suspense. I can't watch horror movies at all. It's the suspense that gets me. Because once I see, like, the actual monster or whatever's actually going on, I'm like, Uh well, this is dumb. Uh And why do you make these? Uh, But the suspense gets me so hard, like, I freak out. And that is what happens with our finances. And the longer it goes on, the more the suspense builds. So it is one of those rip the Band-Aid off things. Mm -hmm. And it is generally nine times out of 10, never as bad as you think it's going to be. And even if it is an ugly monster, yeah, you know what the ugly monster looks like now and you can deal with it. The devil you know is better than the devil you don't. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good idiom to be like repeating, but it is valid in this case. Yes. So let's go through it. Start us off, Jen. What's the first step? So the first is ripping off that Band-Aid, getting all your financial paperwork out. So that means your bank statements, your investment accounts, utility bills. And it's, you know, 2022. So all of these should be digital. We should not be pulling out papers. You should go paperless if you're not already. So getting all of these things out, I find it easier to connect it to something like personal capital. You can um, connect your your credit cards, your debit cards, your investment accounts, all of that. Honestly, when you're just starting out, don't worry about your investment accounts or, or retirement or any of that. Let's just look at your income and let's look at your expenses. Let's start there first because when we when we get that then we'll be able to focus on retirement investing more. So let's focus on our our income and our expenses first, that foundational piece. So pull it all out and really see like what you have going on. How like and I would say for transactions, let's go back 90 days. Let's go back 90 days and cop- I like to copy them all into a Google sheet. Then you can sort the rows like alphabetically, and that will um, put the identical transactions together. 
and then you can categorize them from there. And so go for through 90 days and see what you have spent on what over the past 90 days. Mm. You kind of combined one and three, which is totally I'm so sorry fine because we're so we're, we're such experts on this. <laughs> <laughs> but really, I think that all these these steps, they don't necessarily have to go in a certain order, at least with these first few. It's kind of a gathering. Yeah. So the, first, the so gather, number one, gather. Gather. In, yeah. in the Google Sheet, gather. Gather. And it's like steps one through three is basically gathering. And so gathering all of your financial paperwork was one. Number two is calculating your income. I mean, gather, gather up whatever your income is. All that money, all that money you get. If you're a W-2 employee and you get a regular paycheck where taxes are automatically deducted, this should be a pretty simple step to know how much you make every year, every month. It's not always a happy step, but it should be a simple step. Yeah. Uh, And certainly if you've got other forms of income coming in, whether it's social security or child support, if you are a subcontractor, like a 1099 worker, then gathering up what you made, this is definitely where that 90 days, I would even say potentially longer than that, maybe the past four months of what you made month to month. I know that can be a really hard thing when your income is variable. So giving yourself a good buffer of what has it looked like in the past to give yourself a good sense of what will it look like going forward conservatively. Of course, we love to aim at growth when we're subcontractors or business owners, but let's look back to give that trajectory and be pleasantly pleased if it ends up being more and then begin to base your budget around a really conservative estimate, whether that I, I it could be the median or it could be budgeting based off of your lowest month in the past four months so that you have really a nice buffer for yourself. Yeah. And then third, create a list of monthly expenses. So this is where we're going to alphabetize the transactions on that Google sheet, combine the ones that are same, and then categorize them out. I would say no, I mean, as detailed as possible when you are starting out with this. Or if you feel like you're restarting, as detailed as possible. You cannot have too many categories or or anything like that. It's not easy to maintain that. That's not sustainable. And that's okay. You're not supposed to sustain that. Just start out with it. And, you know, maybe next month we have a few fewer categories, maybe because we're intentionally spending and we can eliminate several whole categories. Um, and then month by month, we get better and better and this budgeting becomes more and more sustainable. But yeah, so mortgage payments, car payments, insurance, groceries, utilities, entertainment, personal care, and you can, we didn't Google this, but you um, can Google like 100 budgeting categories. I am 100% sure if I Googled that right now, I would find an article with 100 budgeting categories, which is too much. It's an article, <laughs> too that, many. An article that shouldn't have been written. <laughs> but it's probably But I out bet there. you I can find She's it. She's going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it. And while she does that, I'm going to talk about where we go after we've gathered, after we've done steps one through three. Then we look at fixed versus variable expenses. When you look at all of these categories and what you've spent over the last 90 days, consider what are the fixed expenses, meaning mandatory expenses that you need to pay 
and set expenses, like what's not changing, and then your variable expenses, as in the things that can change month to month, what is fluctuating within each category. For me, that's typically groceries. I Mine is so pared down at this point. I mean, I do like to be in the weeds with my transactions, but my variable expenses are just groceries and miscellaneous. Of course, there's mm-hmm. tons of quote unquote subcategories that you could identify in there, but that's all I have. But figuring out what's fixed, what's variable, that will provide a really good launching point to determine where do I have room to make adjustments in my budget if I'm identifying I don't actually want to be spending this much or my income can't support this kind of spending. But parsing it out in that way is a good next step after the gathering stage. Yeah. And I would challenge that there is no such thing as a fixed expense. I think all expenses are variable. So take with that what you will. Even your mortgage, you can refinance. Your bills can be lowered. Interest rates can be lowered. So no, if you have in your mind that no expense is fixed, then it can change how you alter and lower expenses in your budget. So it's just a mindset shift to have no expense is fixed. You can always do something. You can move. You can get a different car. Like some of these are not very super feasible, But there is literally always something you can do to lower or eliminate an expense. I love that pushback. And I think that's why I like how this article also highlights that it's some of those mandatory things. Like we will have to spend money on food and shelter, but it doesn't mean that it always has to be the same amount Mm -hmm. that we spend. Right. There are some mandatory expenses, but nothing is fixed. Mm. And- There are no less than seven articles that have 100 plus budgeting categories. So take your pick. I'm sure they are all identical. Well done. So the next step, step five, is to total your monthly income and expenses. And this is where they recommend the 50, 30, 20 budget. I see that coming up and I'm cringing. Oh, gross. (laughs) Uh, I, again, I think a zero-based budget is best, especially if you're starting out and you don't know what your percentages are. These percentages, 50, 30, 20, they are arbitrary. They are not customized and you are a custom person. So make sure the only thing you need to make sure is that your expenses are are less than or equal to your income. And if we're including savings, we want them to be exactly zero-based. But we want those uh, discretionary and mandatory expenses to be less than your income. And you can make your own percentages. And if after you've done step one through five and you're looking at this monster, but it's not such a scary monster anymore, or it's a shining uh, gem of a jewel. Either way, it's worth now looking at any adjustments that need to be made to any of the expenses like Jen highlighted, whether it's the mandatory expenses or the variable expenses, considering now that you're looking at it and the worry and anxiety is taken away, and we can see it all in front of our eyeballs, what needs to shift? Are there categories where 
I might be spending far more than I thought I was spending. And it doesn't need to be that much because I don't actually value it that much. Or, wow, my income cannot continue to support this. Or I want to be putting more towards savings or retirement or debt payoff. That's when we start to change and shift how much we're spending. And that's where we implement all of the other frugal tips that you have in all 207 other episodes in the yes. archives of how to do that. And what our does ebook it look like to shift with that? 200 plus ways to save money. Yeah. Frugalfriendspodcast.com slash ebook. And it's we've free. got you. We've got you. Yes. Just do it. So that that's that. You you look at it, you make decisions, you make changes, you keep going, you shift, you adjust, you find new methods that work for you, but all along the way you are growing the skill set and muscle of knowing the money coming in, the money going out, making those intentional values-based decisions and getting more and more confident. Yeah. I'm content. I love that this the six steps to make a budget actually are only the first half of this article. The other half is how to use your budget, review and tweak your budget, and stick to your budget. Because the secret to success, I know you hear these like debt payoff stories and stuff, and they're like, what was the secret to your success? And like getting on a budget. And I was like, well, that's only half the story because sticking to the budget is you can make a budget every month, but if you don't stick to it, you're not Preach going it. anywhere. Yeah. That making the budget is only half. It's not even half of the story. It's like one tenth of the story. And I will say, I think having a budget will also reveal where we might have an income need. I know Mm -hmm. we talk about changing expenses, and that's a great step, and it's a low-hanging fruit. But we also say, make adjustments to your income wherever possible. If you're not able to get at the goals that you want quick enough, or you're not able to afford some of the even mandatory expenses that you have, then this is where we want to look at growing our skill set, knowledge base, advocating for ourselves for higher pay, whatever the case Mm -hmm. is, we don't have to stay stuck either in how much we're making. Yeah. We're not advocates for racing to like having your spending be a race to the bottom to pinch every penny and spend as little as possible. We we do not advocate for that. We love spending money. Uh, We just love more like we love what we're spending on it. We don't spend to fulfill any like emotional needs or as an activity out of boredom or anything like that. We love the things that we are spending money on. And so that is a huge shift. It becomes so much easier to stick to your budget when you know you love the things you're spending money on and you have your list of things that you don't love and you are confident enough to not spend money on them. You've created boundaries uh, so that you can say no to family and friends when they ask you to spend money in those places. So it is a budgeting is not just numbers on paper or in an app. It is a refining of your character to be able to say no to self, no to others, and even yes to self and yes to others where it may have been difficult to before. So don't get discouraged if you're trying this and in three months you feel like you're still sucking at it. Because if you can change your personhood in like three months, 
that's awesome. We would love to interview you on this show because it is it's almost impossible. But yeah, so just be encouraged that half of it, more than half of budgeting is this process of learning how to use it and learning how to execute it. Do you know what else I love? And it's not hard to execute. If it costs money, I'd love spending money on it. <laughs> the bill of the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Hi, Jen and Jill. This is Lindsay and I paid off debt with my husband and we're from Pittsburgh, PA. We paid off about $45,000 and it took us two to two and a half years. We were each making about forty dollars to $45,000 during that time. And it was all student loans, credit cards, and a car payment. And what made us decide to start paying off debt was that we were, I was turning 30 and we just needed to get our lives together. Now that we don't have the debt, we can cash flow vacations and we're putting a lot of money towards our 401ks. I would tell anyone paying off debt that it's totally worth it. And once you get to the end, you get those results forever. Thanks. Love the podcast. Lindsay. Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. We love hearing your debt payoff successes. And it's, 45000 is a monthly income for some people. Or is that monthly? Some people. Happy you're birthday. right. Yeah, that is, is true. But for most people, it's a yearly income. So it's just so crazy to think that you you took essentially a year out of your life to pay this off in just two and a half years. And we're so proud of you, Lindsay. Well done. I love how you called out the need to just be an adult. (laughs) And and the way that you worded that debt payoff is a forever result. I loved that description and how you can enjoy that reality for the rest of your lives. And some of the ways that you've highlighted that's been true for you, cash flowing vacations, more money towards retirement. It's, it is that gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. So well done celebrating with you, Lindsay from Pittsburgh. Absolutely. If you want to submit your bill of the week, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill to leave us your bill or your debt payoff celebration. How do I get my partner on board with our finances? It's a top question we get from listeners, and we've realized it's a game changer when there are tools that allow you to work together better, like Monarch. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com frugal. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple design makes it so easy to set up and manage your household finances. Plus, they have built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. After trying out Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. 
And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. And now it's time for the lightning round. It's like a game show. Uh, so today we are sharing what budgeting method did you start with and what are you using now? Bow, bow, bow. I forget what game show that's from, but I really, or maybe it's not, maybe it's from a sitcom. Mm. I don't know. If you know, if you could discern <laughs> that, let us know. <laughs> so I started with obviously the zero based budget. Um, I have, in my work as a personal finance writer, I have tried, minus the last year or two, Every budgeting app that has come onto the market, I have written story after story about them, review after review. I've just downloaded so many budgeting apps, and I have not found one that I love, if I'm being completely honest. I really have been using, when I do do a budget, a regular budget. I'll just use a Google spreadsheet. But I've always been on the search for a an, a budgeting app that I could love. But I I have to come to the conclusion that maybe it's not for me. Maybe that's why I don't like. And we get asked all the time, what's your favorite budgeting app? And we can never answer that. Because <laughs> we basic, we basic we, budgeters. We basic budgeters. <laughs> we don't use apps. <laughs> and so I've, I've, given up for the past maybe year or so. So there, I'm sure there are a lot of new budgeting apps that are on the market that I have not tried. Uh, but they all, when I see the press releases for them, they all sound pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's, um, I started with zero-based budgeting on an app and now I just wing it. <laughs> Here you go, ladies there and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Jen Smith, she wings she it. She just wings <laughs> it. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, we are at a place. If we were at a place where we were not saving every month. And so this also comes down to the fact that we do not have any financial goals that we are trying to reach fast. 
So that's a big difference. We've reached our fast financial goals. We paid off our debt. We saved our emergency fund. We built up 200,000 in our eat like 100k each in our retirement accounts. Like so we hit these milestones and we got to the place where we're like, okay, we can coast now at this savings rate and be okay. And so we got there, we decided this is our enough. This is when we'll hit it. And when we hit it, we started to take an interest in different things. <laughs> so we we moved on and moved up. We started refining other parts of our lives because we had refined the financial part. And so that's where we currently are. I think you just have such a good handle and sense on how much do you make. That's, that's not... a elusive mm-hmm. to you and that you know for sure you're not spending that amount because mm-hmm. you're hardly spending. So you don't have and and what you do spend on, you know that you're spending intentionally. Yeah. And within your values. So it doesn't you don't have to be in the weeds if you don't want to be. Yeah. At and this stage. And when we say like hardly spending, like I'm sitting here next to a latte that I purchased. Oh, girl. You know, like I spend money. Mm-hmm. It's just that I don't spend it on things that I don't value. Like I make sure I really value everything I spend money on. And spoiler alert, if you value everything, you don't actually value anything. So oh. there are very few things that I value. And I spend without uh, hesitation mm-hmm. in those things. Mm-hmm. I spend on them whenever I want, however I want. Wow. You're sounding like a fancy <laughs> friend now. <laughs> it's my Eleanor coming out. <laughs> uh, so for me, I uh, I started from the bottom and I'm still here. That sounds worse. That's not totally yeah. true. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> so I'm just meaning that my technique really hasn't shifted that much. But my skill in implementation definitely has. So I will say, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I did begin using the cash envelope technique. Not, it's not like you said, it's not a budgeting method. It is a technique to help get me connected to the transactions that I'm making. And it did help. And I was writing everything down as it happened and experiencing cash leaving me. But now I don't need that technique to keep me on track anymore. I would say my budgeting method most aligns with the first method that we talked about in that first article where where we look at estimated expenses and actual expenses, what you actually are estimated spending, actual spending. That is a lot like how my spreadsheet looks. It's very pared down. There's only four or five categories. I do it based on payment. So we now get paid biweekly. So I, that's how I budget based on my biweekly spending, my biweekly earnings. And I I like to I like to be in the weeds. I know that that's not for everybody, but I like to look at every expense that or expenditure that we make, every transaction. I will say I found a lot 
not a lot, but a good amount of errors over the, over the years of, oh, this should have been returned to us and it wasn't. So I make that phone call or we were charged an error for something or, oh, we might have been compromised. So there's been a decent amount of times where keeping my pulse on it that strongly has helped me to know that I didn't actually spend that. I have a really good example of that. We'll talk about that in the after show. Something just recently happened. Don't tell them about the after show. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so anyhow, I, I like it. It has worked for me all along. It's almost a cathartic experience for me, uh, biweekly where I sit with a glass of wine or a cup of tea and, and I go through it and it really helps us to stay on top of things and continue to make those mindful, intentional decisions with where do we need money to go next in the next two weeks. Yeah. I do feel led, and this is mainly because a company sent me a budget binder that maybe I should try do an experiment with doing traditional paper budgeting, giving it a try. They sent me this very cute uh, budgeting binder, and if I like it, I'll tell you who it is mm, uh, because nice. it's cute. So I feel like because I was sent that for free, you that, might start. Yeah, I might start. <laughs> you might get in the weeds just because yeah. it's cute. Yes. And I would like to hold it in, hold it. I would like to carry it around in my purse. And I guess hold it. Yeah. Be seen with it. Be seen with it. Yeah. Ooh, so Keep us updated. Yeah. And if you want more, so we actually have an entire beyond the basics budgeting like lesson in um, Personal Finance Simplified, which is our course in the Financial Freedom Mentorship. So we talk a lot about executing the budget. Not, I mean, that's a bad term, but like doing the budget, but, but implementing, implementing there you go. the budget. So that's definitely, um, there's way more we could go into, but these are the basics. So thank you so much for listening. I hope that you got something out of it. And we're going to switch it up today. Instead of reading one of your kind reviews about us, we actually wanted to celebrate one of our Financial Freedom Mentorship member wins. So we didn't listen to our bill of the week until we listened to it just now. And it just happened to be a debt payoff story. But we want to celebrate another debt payoff story from Christy in our mentorship who paid off her credit card debt. And so this was what she posted in Uh, the group. She said, I joined this group to hold myself accountable and to learn. I absolutely love the podcast. When I joined two months ago, I stopped using my credit cards. I quit smoking. I stopped Starbucks runs, etc. She said, I have smoked on and off for years. Uh, I joined with having 9,000 in credit card debt. The only other debt we have is our house. I don't consider that a debt because when we sell, we'll make a profit. My hardworking hubby came home and said he got a bonus. I had no idea. And I have paid off the credit card. I'm still watching my spending behaviors because I do tend to overspend to fill that void, bored, lonely, depressed, etc. I enjoy reading other comments and info. We can do hard things. Yes, Christy. I love that wrap up. We can do hard things and then experience the benefits and celebrations of it. What an amazing, beautiful gift Mm. to learn of an increase of income for your household and not have debt. 
Absolutely. So much more freedom with what you can do with that money. Congratulations, Christy. We're celebrating your win with you. Yes. So thank you all for listening. If you want to check out the Financial Freedom Mentorship, you can do that at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash FFM. See what's going on in there. See you next week. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. So, all right, went out to a restaurant with some friends. We got the tab because it's easier that way and Venmo exists. And I do use a credit card now to get them points, baby. Mm -hmm. I never carry a balance. So that works for me now that I don't do the cash envelope system. Well, the restaurant had the point of sale, like a mobile point of sale. Oh, like it was like Chili's or something. <laughs> well, it wasn't Chili's. It was a nice, <laughs> fancy, like charcuterie oh, but wine like bistro. Okay. But, yeah. So it was Chili's. But they brought it over and it was more just like a credit card point of sale. So you couldn't see the printout, but it did give a total. But the waitress is standing right there. So I'm not seeing the whole printout of all of the expenses, and I'm kind of still in the middle of conversation, so I just give her my credit card. Thankfully, I did get a receipt. I don't always do that because I'm like, ah, I'll, I'll see the transaction yeah. on the statement. But I did ask for one because I'm like, that seemed a little high for being here for happy hour for four people. So it was in my review, my biweekly review of our budget to to realize, yeah, that was a lot of money. I need to go back and look at that. Reviewed the receipt and found like eight additional charges in error. And because I'm so aware of our spending and our ordering and how like even it was a week, a week or two later, and I still remembered we did not get all those cheeses or that wine. So I called up the place and thankfully, again, because I happened to have the receipt, I was able to list out exactly what was listed on the receipt that we didn't get. Thankfully, I didn't have to advocate for myself too hard. I was like ready for a fight. Like, I know we didn't get these things, but he was able to see on their end when I called the restaurant that however their system is set up, when we ordered a second one of our cheeses, it was similar to what the table next to us ordered. So somehow there was a computer error where then all of their entire table order got put onto our check. Yeah. So it was like an additional $60. And they refunded me right away. Although they didn't refund me on the tip, but I wasn't going to push back on that because we did tip on like way more than what we actually bought. However, I could have walked away having spent an additional $60 and not needing to if I wasn't paying as close of attention. Dang. Yeah. Well, I probably won't be frequenting this fancy restaurant anytime <laughs> soon. We- I know. I, and it does make me wonder, did the table next to us have to pay two? Or did they realize once we left, like, oh, your tab just ended up getting paid for? It's so bizarre. So be careful with those wandering point of sale systems at the restaurant. I guess maybe that's the takeaway. And even though it feels like this kind of on the fly transaction, pay attention to what you're buying. Pay attention to what you're buying. I probably would have looked at it and been like, 
oh, oh no, oh no. Mm-hmm. And then I would have been like, I don't know what's on here, but, but I'm was, not paying. Yeah, it was just like, you know, oh, in oh. the middle of conversation and she's there and here you go, insert your card. And so it was like in passing. I'm yeah. Like, oh, wow. That seems like a high number. Yeah. Um, I don't go out to fancy restaurants often and I am hyper aware of checking before I pay because I worked at restaurants and so I know mistakes get you made. Know, easily. Yeah. yeah. But that has never happened in my memory of anybody. $60. Getting somebody's just trans somebody's table just transfers over to yours. Yes. That's know, so right? bizarre. Yeah. Happy accident for them. Wow. Well, or the restaurant or that woman who got a massive chip that night for for her her. mistake. She was great, though. So I didn't I don't want to speak poorly of this waitress. She was awesome. And I think it was a genuine mistake. And we got our money back. But pay attention. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. 